This is Dr. Jonathan Shaw. I want to thank you for tuning in to Crown Ministries Podcast today. We hope that this message transforms you and encourages you to pursue God's presence in a greater way. Enjoy the message. Message entitled, Go Down to Come Up. Look at your neighbor and say, go down to come up. All right, all right, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk, have your seats in the name of the Lord. Father, I thank you that this word is blessed already. Your word doesn't need help. Your word doesn't need anointing. It already is the help. It already is the anointed. It's me that needs you. You have already preordained this day, this moment, and this time. You even have already ordained who was supposed to be here to hear it. Those that are even listening to the podcast of it will be blessed thereby. But I pray, Lord, that you would take over my mouth, reach into this clay, and take over me. I pray, God, that today I don't preach, but I transfigure that what you put inside of me comes outside of me, and lives are changed forever. It is in the name of Jesus I declare it done, and so somebody say amen. 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 For the last couple of days today's the 20 20th of January for the last 19 days I have been on a diet and uh, thank you very much and uh, I've been doing pretty good I've lost already uh, 10 11 pounds and uh, I'm counting some of those as clothes weight so <laughs> I've already lost 10 pounds and I'm doing pretty good I have a target by April to lose uh, 50 pounds, and uh, I only got 40 more to go. Doing pretty good. I've been going to the gym, Pastor and I, every day this week. Every day. We've been in the gym, working it out. We're up every morning early, bright early, bright-eyed, bushy-tail, in the gym, working it out, and uh, on the elliptical, on the treadmill, and lifting weights, and doing all that's necessary to get this weight off us. It's amazing how you got to lift something to lose it. You lift weight to lose weight. It's amazing how you had to discipline yourself to, in order to lose what you gained. And, 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 and I was in the gym and I was working. And one day I got on the treadmill. And the treadmill, uh, I ran for about two and a half miles on the treadmill. And uh, I was doing real good. My heart rate was up. I was doing real good. And, uh, you know, you, you don't lose weight and burn fat until your heart rate gets to a certain place. And so I was on there, and I was running, I was running, and it was real good. And uh, one day was my leg day, so I did all my leg exercises, my hamstrings, uh, my, 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 my calf muscles, and I, I was working them out. My quadriceps, I was working them out. Next day was the upper body. Made sure I did my abs, praise the Lord, my crunches and my sit-ups, biceps, triceps, shoulders, pectorals, did all those muscles. I was working them out. And right now, I'm just as sore as I can be. Praise the Lord. Y'all take my slow movement for process. Don't take it. Amen. That I'm always slow. I'm just in the process right now. You understand? And uh, I was working it out. And then one day I decided not to do the treadmill. I decided to do the elliptical. Got on that elliptical. That elliptical is something serious. I told my elliptical it was possessed with the devil. It had a demon in it. Because I was on that elliptical and I was working it. And I was just going back and forth and moving the hands and moving the feet. And, and you like riding the bike, walking up steps and the incline all at the same time. I said, Lord, this thing got a demon in it. And I was trying to loosen it and bind it. I was trying to cast it out. And uh, it wore me out. I only did a mile and a half on the elliptical, which was pretty good. But it, it, it wore me 
out. I couldn't do two miles on that thing. I got off. I was sweating profusely. I was tired and breathing heavy. And you know, after you've been on the treadmill and elliptical for a little bit of time and start walking, it feel like you're still on it. You just feel like you're floating on another cloud. Like, all right, settle down, boy. Settle down. And so I, I was working it, and, and, and you know, I was really yeah, making it happen and, and eating healthy. Amen. I, every day I eat some oatmeal to get rid of the bad cholesterols in my system. And I eat eggs for protein and eat salads and fruits, vegetables, and water is all I've been doing. And um, it's been doing pretty good. I, I, I feel pretty good. I feel energized. Amen. I lost some weight. Thank God. And I, I, I'm on my way. I ain't there yet, but I'm on my way. What's amazing about this process is that. I get up every morning and go to the gym because I'm determined to get somewhere. The, 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 the goal where I want to get to requires a certain level of sacrifice. But here's the thing about it. I put myself in this position. Okay. I am the one that was undisciplined in my diet and undisciplined in exercise that gained the weight that I now have. So I have to do something to get rid of the weight that I gained. Amazingly about some individuals is they want to be rescued from things that they put themselves in and they want someone else come to get them out of it. Uh -huh. Y'all going to say amen after a while because I'm going to find me a Wakanda church. And the reality is I ate what I wanted to eat. And, and there was a time I didn't eat beef and pork. I didn't. I, I, but I started eating beef and pork again. So, uh, um, And I know how to make beef and pork. I know how to make uh, a prime rib. I know how to make uh, 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 spare ribs. I know how to make it. It, it. It's real good to when I make it. It falls off the bone. It, it's, it's just, you know, you can pick it up. The ribs I make, you can pick up the bone and the meat just falls off. It just, that's how, that's how it happens, you know. And so I, I, I did it. I ate it because I was undisciplined. And because now I'm in the condition that I am, I now have to put myself through a process so I can lose what I gained. So I have to go through the soreness, the stiffness, the treadmill, the elliptical, the disciplined diet because it's something that I did. And I believe today that there are a few people in this room that realize in order to come up to the next level, step number one for you is to admit where you are, you got yourself there. It's easy for some of us, and this is the truth, some of us to say so-and-so did this, so-and-so did this, or life simply happened to me. That's easy. And for some cases, that is the truth. But for many cases, a lot of the conditions and positions that we are in, we got ourselves into it. Okay, y'all gonna look at me with a lie on your face. The truth is, we decided it, we did it, we made a decision or a choice, and we got ourselves, in. we so spiritual that we have been blaming the devil for everything. But how many of y'all know that some of this stuff ain't the devil? Oh, y'all, y'all, okay, I'm gonna find you after a while. 
Uh, some of this stuff ain't devils, it ain't demons, it ain't warlock, it ain't witches. Some of this hex that you put on your life, you did it yourself. Your choices and your decisions got you where you are. And it's amazing how some folks want to blame others for where they are or that they won't rescue them. But look at your neighbor, help me and say, hey neighbor, you got yourself here. You got to figure out how to get out of it. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. Whereas you take ownership for the choices that you made, the decisions that you made, and you say, I did that. I decided that. That was my choice, and now I have to live with the consequences. Y'all remember the old message, if you make your bed hard, you got to lay in it? Okay. Uh, there are some choices we decided, we made, watch this, or there are even some decisions that we did not decide. Because you know, to not make a decision is a decision. Okay, okay. To be indecisive or to not make a decision is a decision. Come here, sons of Korah. In the, in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, the Bible says that, that there were a group that Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? And there was a group who stood with Moses. And then there was a group who stood against Moses. And then there was sons of Korah who stood in the middle and said, we're not going to choose any side. We're basically going to see who win. And that's whose side we were going to go on. But God opened up the earth, swallowed those who are against the Lord's side but also swallowed up those who were indecisive or who did not make a decision. So sometimes y'all gotta understand your indecisiveness or not making decision to God is a decision because you didn't clearly state I'm on the Lord's side. You gotta make a decision. And we have made decisions that were contradictory to our past or we have not made decisions and it caused some of the damage that we're in right now and some of the challenges that we have have come to my own decisions. Lay hands on yourself and say, I own it. I own it. I own mine. I take responsibility. I did it. And watch this. I am the one that made myself fat. I did it. Y'all looking at me strange. I did it. I made myself big where I get tired. I did it. So watch this. Now I got to go to gym. I cannot lay in my bed with a plate of ribs saying, Holy Ghost, go to the gym for me and lose this weight. I can't sit on the side of the couch with a burger and fries and say, God, I rebuke every calorie. I rebuke every fat in my stomach and I command it to loose me and let me go. And Holy Ghost, I need you to go to the gym and get on that elliptical for me and lose this weight on my behalf. There are some things I've got to do myself. And some of you, your deliverance is as close to you as a decision. My God help us. Just as you decided something to get in it, you can make a decision to get out of it just as you decided to go through with it you can also decide to leave it alone and you are still in where you're, what you're in not because God hasn't given you help not because the Holy Ghost hasn't come to your rescue and not because the Lord is not ready for you to be delivered some of your deliverance is delayed because of your decision mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
should have stayed home. It was snowing. I should have stayed home today because I didn't know he's going to talk like that. It was your decision and your decision got you where you are or the lack thereof. Watch this now. It is easy for me to say I need you to rescue me out of something rather than me take responsibility over what I decided myself uh, because what the one thing I then got to admit I got to swallow the pill of pride and I've got to admit that I was wrong and no one likes to admit that they were wrong everyone wants to be right and so if I admit that I got myself here then I'm admitting I'm wrong okay let me move move on here watch this and now it's it's one thing if I got myself in a predicament and now I got to get myself out of it I got myself in this situation so now I got to get myself out of it watch this but what happens when you didn't put yourself in the predicament what happens when God put you in it what happens when where you are has been ordered by the Lord you can escape the situation that you put yourself in because the same decision that got you in it the contradictory decision will get you out of it so I can get out of what I got myself in watch this not only can I get myself out of what I got myself in I can also get out of what the devil got me in because he gave me power over the enemy he said I could tread upon serpents and tread upon scorpions he said if I rebuke the devil or resist him rather he will flee from me and so I've got authority I've got anointing I've got power anybody got power in this room look at your neighbor and say I got power over the enemy when I speak he's got to obey me when I rebuke him he's got to shut up when I cast him out he's got to leave I can get myself out of the things that I got myself into and I can even get myself out of the things that the devil got me in but I cannot get out of the things that God put me in because when I did it I can call on God to help me and I can get myself out of it when the devil did it I can call on God and he'll give me the anointing to rebuke the devil and then I can get out of it but if God is the one that put me in it who do I call on to help me get out of it my God. And I want to preach to today some individuals who is in something right now that you didn't ask for, you didn't request, you didn't pray for, but God done put you in a situation and you seem like you can't get yourself out of it to save your life. You tried to run, you tried to resign, you tried to quit, you tried to do something else, but God will not let you go. He will not leave you to your own devices. Is there anybody in this room can be honest? like me and say I wanted God to fire me I wanted God to leave me alone I wanted him to stop talking to me but as soon as I do something stupid again he speaks louder than he's ever spoken before have you ever felt like God talks louder when you're at your lowest 
God, God, get me out. I don't want to do this no more. I didn't volunteer for this. I didn't ask for this. Some of you are sitting there right now saying, God, there's other people who want to preach. There's other people who want to be in the front. I don't want to be in the front. I don't want to do that. Don't call me up there. Don't have me to do this. Don't have me to do that. And you're trying to run from an assignment. You're trying to run from a call. And God will not leave you alone. And he actually forces you to go into something that you did not volunteer for. Well, Dr. Shaw, that sounds pretty cruel. It doesn't sound cruel compared to the cross, okay? When he suffered, bled, and died for you, and he told you that you are not your own because I purchased you with my blood, and you don't belong to yourself anymore. You now belong to me because you've been bought with the price. So how can you think that you can do what you want to do the way you want to do it and when you want to do it? He said, you're mine, and because you're mine, I'll put you in what I want to put you in. Touch your neighbor say, I didn't volunteer for this. Oh, God, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I didn't know. I didn't know that problems equal process. I didn't know. Is there anybody in this room that was confused a little bit because you just knew that you had sinned? You just knew that you had messed up with God? You just knew because you didn't pray like you're supposed to and read your Bible like you're supposed to and go to church like you were supposed to? You just knew God was whooping your behind and that's why you was going through what you was going through? And God said, they ain't got nothing to do with it they ain't got nothing to do with what I'm doing in you he said what I'm doing in you trust me when I'm through you're gonna be the first one to run to the church when I'm through with you you're gonna be the first one in prayer when I'm through with you you're gonna read my bible like it was crack and you was a crackhead he said because it's right now about process if I process you you'll fall in love with prayer if I process you you'll fall in love with bible study if I process you right it's all about the process because he owns us he does whatever he wants with us and sometimes Pastor Allen he'll take what he died for and throw him into a dying situation sometimes he'll take us and put us in something to make us feel like I'm about to die I don't think I can make this. I don't think, I think this is really too much for me. I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't think that this is meant for me. Lord, forgive me for being uh, too, too anxious. and Forgive me for aspiring to reach too high. Some of you, how many of you convinced yourself, I was reaching too high. I got to be a fool to think that I could do all that and I could reach all of that. Oh yeah. And so sometimes you can hear other people's testimony and you said that's good for them, but I don't know about me. I don't know about me I don't know about me with that because the way my life is set up the way my bank account is set up the way my family life is set up I don't think that's for me have you ever passed off a blessing to somebody else because you disqualified yourself and said maybe that's not gonna happen to me because of what I'm in right now but I'm here to tell you what you're in right now I got a word for seven screamers it's ordained by God what you're battling right now is ordained by the Lord you didn't put yourself in it the devil ain't got nothing to do with it. God said, I threw you in it. Because anything that has any value must be tested. Anything that has any value must be tested. Okay, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. And so one, one, one time, one time in my wedding band, 
My wedding band has diamonds in it. Don't hate celebrate. My wedding band has, has diamonds in it. It's 21 diamonds because it reminds me that's how, how old I was when I got married. So I got, put 21 diamonds in my wedding band. And uh, one day, uh, my ring snagged and one of the diamonds fell out of my band. And so I took it to the jewelry store to go get another diamond put back in it. Same size, same make, same cut. And so I took it to the jewelry store. And the lady took one of the devices that she had in the jewelry store and she tested my diamond that was already in my ring. She says, see, this is a diamond. She says, so when you see this light go off, you know that that's a diamond. She says, okay, I'm going to replace the diamond that's missing. I'm going to put another diamond in. And she says, this is another diamond. She put it on another piece of uh, uh, metal. It looks like a diamond, but it was really a cubic zirconia. And so she put it on that. She says, see, the light didn't go off because that's not a diamond. She put it back on the diamond. She said, see, that's a diamond. She said, this is real. This is not. So when I put the diamond in your ring, I want you to make sure it's tested so that you know that it's real. She said, and if the light don't go off, it's not a real diamond. What she was saying to me was, it cannot be valuable in your ring because it hasn't been tested. And some of you are trying to be displayed without being tested. You have to be tested in order to be displayed. You have to be tested in order to be proven authentic and to be proven real. How in the world you want to prove that you're real? I'm a real man. I'm a real woman. But you've never been tested. Anything that has any value and has any level of authenticity must be first tested. And God says, I'm proving your authenticity by putting you in something that make you feel like you're going to die. He's testing you. Touch your neighbor and say, he's testing you. You're in an exam room. You're in an exam room. And I know you're calling on him and he won't talk to you. But a teacher don't talk while the test is going on. You have to apply the wisdom that you already learned. I'm going to get an amen after a while. Huh? And so now he's thrown us into something that we didn't get ourselves into that he put us in. And now we got to get out of it. And this is the scenario that we have in our text. Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000 people to fish five barley loaves of bread he has finished with the multitude the multitude was sitting listening to him preach and once he finished preaching to them he he sat them down and he fed all of them he took the fish and bread broke it gave it to the disciples the disciples gave it to the people and the people ate and every one of them was full there was so miraculous that once the people were finished eating the disciples picked up fragments of the food that was left and stuffed it into baskets so much as so that there were 12 baskets of food left over after all the people ate what's amazing when they did the count the head count of the record of how many people ate they said it was 5,000 people not including women and children because they only counted the men so there is if every man had a wife and every couple had a child that is a minimum of 15,000 people that ate from two fish and five barley loaves of bread watch this after 
after Jesus fed the people and fed the multitudes, he says something to his 12 boys that was mind-blowing. After he is communing among the people and fellowshipping among the 5,000 plus, he told the disciples, y'all go start the car. Oh, okay. Y'all go get in the ship and go to the other side. Here's amazing. Come here, Mike. Come here, Mike. Stand, stand in front of me. Stand in front of me. Stand in front of me. These two, both of them named Michael. Hallelujah. Was like the name of the angel uh, of warfare. Watch this. And so, Jesus just finished mingling with the 5,000, fed them. And he told the disciples, y'all go and go into the ship and go to the other side. He did not have the entourage that went with him that would block him from being among the people. He was not the kind of leader that couldn't be among the people and be touched by the people. He didn't hang around and say, y'all got to walk me out. Y'all got to get me out of here because, you know, the people, gonna, they're going to come after me. They're going to they gonna want to shake my hand. No, no. Jesus was a handshaking savior. Oh, my. He got among the people and he actually touched them and he actually went where they were and they could touch him and he would touch them. He went among. They were assigned to go to the other side while I talked to everybody. You know what's amazing? How after church, y'all leave and don't talk to people. You, you can't be, you can't, you can't be serving Christ and not be touched by people. You know what I discovered? I got to get out of here uh, because it's supposed to snow. Um, but you know what I discovered? There are some people, Pastor Moore, that are Christians, but they're not Christians. Okay. Christianity is their faith, but Christianity is not their lifestyle. There's some people who adhere to our faith and they read our Bible, but they don't act like our Christ. Because if you act like our Christ, you are among the people and you can be touched. What's wrong with you that people cannot touch you? What's wrong with you? You're not that caught up. You're not that anointed. You're not that deep that you can't say hello. I'm, I'm concerned about the individual who can speak in tongues but can't say hello in English. I'm concerned about the people who want to go to the other side but won't say hello on this side. You cannot qualify for what's next if you don't become overqualified for what's now. say it again because somebody missed it you cannot qualify for what is next until you become overqualified for what's now which means you can't go to the other side until you've touched somebody who have you touched your promotion is based upon who you've touched <laughs> you so much trying to resist people trying to resist being around them trying to resist being among them but the reality is your next side demonstration is going to be based upon your this side performance or the lives that you touch who have asked your neighbor who have you touched who have you touched who have you touched you always looking for somebody to touch you but who have you touched who have you blessed who have you encouraged 
encouraged? Who have you uplifted? Who have you ministered to? Who have you taken time with? We can't have real ministry because some of us are too impatient for ministry. I don't have time for you. I got to go. I got something to do. I got obligations and responsibilities. So I don't have time. And whenever you don't take time with people, what you're saying is you don't have time for God. Because people is ministry. And if you cannot minister to people, then you cannot work for God. Because you don't have time for them. You cannot minister to anyone that you don't have time for. Jesus went around. And he said, y'all go to the other side. Let me talk with these people. We just fed them. It's 5,000 of them. Now, you know, Jesus is feeding 5,000 people, two fish, five bottles of loaves. He's raising the dead, unstopping deaf ears. He's opening up blinded eyes, unstopping deaf ears. You, you know, you know there was a line to talk to him. Y'all see the line to come talk to me after church, and I'm just a little fat boy in Glenwood Row. You know if Jesus was doing what he was doing the way he was doing, you know, you can imagine the size of the line. I gotta talk, I just want to shake his hand. I just want to talk, I just want to talk to him. I just want to I, I, I just want to tell him thank you for the fish. I just want to tell him thank you for the bread. And he stood there, as the scripture suggests, and talked to every person that wanted to talk to him. What's wrong with your super busy self that you can't stay around a little while and talk to people? Tipping out, tipping out, where you going? Where, what, do you got, what do you got to do that you can't take a moment and have a conversation with people because at, at least they may just want to say thank you. You blessed me today. I see you coming in smiling and I know you're going through but you just blessed me the fact that you're still smiling. It's a, just a moment to have a conversation. Some of us can't be used of God because we're too busy to be used. You're too busy for anointing. You're too busy for use. You're too busy. Your schedule is not available for God. And he see it. And he see it. I said, why, why should I give you an appointment to minister and you don't take the appointment to speak? You want the appointment to preach, but you don't have the appointment to speak and say hello to that brother and say hello to that sister. And I, I, I know they're all strange. I know they got issues. I know they're a little different. They're a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and they're crazy and they need to take their medication. But guess what? Your ministry is not bigger than crazy people. You are so anointed and your assignment has got to reach out to the ones that's not like you, don't act like you, not on your level. You still got to speak and say hello. Jesus stood around for everybody and sent the disciples in the ship and said, y'all go to the other side. Y'all go. Y'all go over there. And when Jesus spoke to every person, after he finished speaking to everyone that wanted to speak to him, the Bible says he went apart to go and pray. Which means it was something that the people shared with him. 
that he says, I know I'm supposed to go where I sent my disciples, but let me pray about some things that them people just mentioned to me and they just spoke to me and I need to go in prayer right now. I can't go with the boys, God, because I need to be in prayer. I can't go with my crew, even though we got an appointment to go out to dinner at the service. But after what they share with me in service, I'm compelled to go. I told y'all there's some of us that are Christians, but we're not Christians because there should be something that people share with you that compels you that arrest your schedule arrest your agenda and say I gotta stop now and go pray for you God I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen but I feel this in my sanctified soul in other words something you said something you mentioned about you and your circumstance compels me to go into prayer for you look at your neighbor said I gotta pray for you I gotta pray for you I know I got issues on myself but I gotta pray for you I know I'm supposed to be somewhere else right now but I'm arrested in prayer you can't be used of God until you become arrested in prayer I heard I heard all of these problems 5,000 plus I can't just go sailing I can't just go chilling I got to go pray about this. And Jesus went apart and aside after the multitudes went away and he began to pray. Touch your neighbor and said, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. This ain't time to hang out. It ain't time to chill. It ain't time to have fun. It ain't time to get with the crew. It's a time to pray. He went apart to pray. Watch this. He sent the disciples off to the other side. When he sent them off to the other side, they're in the ship, Pastor Allen, and they're getting they're going on their way to the other side. And a great storm came on the sea. Lord Jesus. In other words, for seven people who will holler back at me, this is my introduction. He's sent them into the sea he sent them into the storm he sent them into the problem he sent them into chaos some of you went by your decision but others of us went by his assignment I'm only in the storm I'm in because he sent me in it I'm only in the trouble I'm in because he sent me in it high five three people and say I'm not being judged I'm not being disciplined I've been sent in this storm there are some storms, there are some storms he sends us in. He knows there's a storm coming. He knows the winds are coming. He commands the winds and the seas to stop. He knows what they're doing. He knows where they came from. He knows where they're going. But he sent me anyway. I'm here to tell somebody he knows what's in your future. He knows you're going to lose a job. He knows you're going to get a divorce. He knows it's going to happen. And he sent you anyway. He knew who left you was going to leave you. He knew who was going to die. He knew who was going to stab you in the back. He knew who was going to talk about you. He knew what was in your future. He knew the storm was there and he sent me anyway. 
Can y'all tell the truth on Sunday morning? How many of you have been just for a little bit, little moment, about three seconds, some of us 30 seconds, you've been mad at God because he sent you in a storm that he knew was up ahead. He sent me, God, you knew. You knew this was going to happen. And God, I'm mad at you because why would you send me into a storm and you knew there was going to be a storm? But guess what? When he sent you in the storm, he was in the corner praying. Which means the storm was supposed to kill you, but because he was in intercession for you, because he was praying for you, and we know not a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, and he makes intercession. So he was not just praying for the 5,000 that touched him. He was praying for his leaders that he sent. Father, they're on that water. I sent them ahead of me. You know the storm is coming. Keep them in the storm. There's some situations, Sister Tanya, that he will get on the boat with you in the storm. But then there's other situations he just going to send you in the storm and won't even get on the boat. Oh, God. So that means when you're in the storm, Pastor Moore, and he's not even on the boat, you got to remember the God on the shore when you're on the sea. See, you got to remember the God that did miracles on the shores that when I get in the middle of the storm, the same God that raised the dead can get me out of the storm. The same God that opened up blinded eyes can get me out the storm. Tell somebody I remember the God on the shore. When I'm in the storms of life I remember the God on the shore. I remember. I remember when you delivered me before that now I'm on the shores the seas of a storm that you sent me in. I have no other choice but to trust you. Trust you. And the wind is blowing. And the waves are beating the ship. They toss to and fro. Last time these boys were in this tiny predicament, he was downstairs, sleep on a pillow. But now, he went from sleeping to absent. What happens? What do you do when he becomes sleep to absent? Now you're not even here. Now you know where to be found. What am I supposed to do now when there's a storm? And I can't even wake you up this time. What do you, what do, you do now? What do you do now? What do you do now? When Jesus is nowhere to be found in your storm. That he sent you in. God, what do I do? How do I respond? How do I live? How do I make it? How do I go up? You want me to go up and you sent me in a storm and didn't even come with me. Even the three Hebrew boys. Ananiah, Hazariah, and Mishael. Even you jumped in the fire with them until Nebuchadnezzar looked inside and said, the fourth one looks like the son of God. Come on. The last time we was in a storm, you was downstairs on the ship, but now you're absent. And I'm here to tell you that there are going to be some times in your walk with God that you're going to say, Lord, you're not even here. Where are you? You are nowhere to be found. You sent me in this and I can't even find you. I'm calling you and you are nowhere
Because where he is, is somewhere praying for you. While you're on your way to where he sent you. He's praying while you're in your storm. Can you encourage three people around you to say, he's praying while you're in your storm. He's interceding for you while you're in your storm. Hallelujah. He's, he's asking his father to keep you while you're in your storm. And he's out there. Watch this. They're out there. And, and they went to the other side. And the Bible says that the ship is now in the middle of the sea. It's tossed with waves. And the winds of the ship, this is the part I like, were contrary. Shut up, Ahuba. Oh, God. So, in other words, this is what's happening, Rakim. What's happening is he sent me there, but also contrary winds are pushing me back from where I came from. Because now he sent me in a contradiction. What happens when what you have is a contradiction to what he promised? He promised me a million dollars and then I lose my job. He promised me to heal and the doctor give me a worse report. What happens when he throws me in a contradiction? I'm willing to obey him. I'm willing to go where he told me. I finally said yes to God. And then the winds are contrary to the direction he sent me. Anybody can say amen to the testimony that every time you take one step, you get knocked back three steps because there's contrary winds. Every time you think you're progressing, something knocks you back and try to push you back from where you came from. Every time you thought you was delivered, here comes another situation to prove that you ain't as delivered as you thought you were. Somebody say contrary. You got to watch for people who carry contrary winds. There's people who have contrary winds in their very atmosphere. They're a contradiction. Every time you try to say yes to God, they're pushing you backwards to your no to God. Every time you say, God, I'm going, they try to convince you you got something else you got to do. There's contrary winds always in your life. Pushing you backwards. Pushing you back. Pushing you back. God, I'm coming up. Here come contrary winds. God, I'm going high. Here come contrary winds. God, I'm going to tithe. I'm a tithe. I'm a, I ain't been tithing, but I'm a tithe, God. I'm a sacrifice and so I'm a tithe. Here come contrary winds. A bill that you didn't expect. A bill that you didn't know was coming. Oh, God. Now, God, what am I going to do? I, I already committed to tithing, but here come this contrariness. This contrariness is always trying to push me back from the direction he sent me. And now I'm in a contrary wind trying to go somewhere and he's nowhere to be found. Where are you, Lord? Have you ever prayed that? Where are you, Lord? I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm trying to obey you. But this contradiction. But I got I to gotta really stretch out and maybe I'll get five amens on this. What do you do when the contrary wind is in you? What do you do when the contrary wind is your own breath? 
I, I said yes to you from my spirit, but my flesh is a contradiction. Y'all need to say amen. Y'all don't look at me like that before I start prophesying. I, I said yes from my spirit, but this whole flesh of mine is such a contradiction to my assignment. And I am as carnal as I am spiritual because there's a contradiction in my flesh. When I want to do good, evil is always present. The thing that I'm supposed to do, I don't do. And the thing I'm not supposed to do, that's exactly what I do. I am my own contradiction. I am my own contradiction. I don't speak positive. I don't speak the word of the Lord over my life. I'm negative. I doubt. I operate in fear. I do all of that. But I know all the scriptures that were contradicting. And I know in my spirit I really want it. I know in my spirit that I'm supposed to do it. But my flesh. It's my own contrariness. I'm undisciplined. I'm my own contradiction. I answer the phone calls I should ignore. I let things bother me that I should be delivered from. I'm my own contradiction. Oh God, I'm my own contradiction. Come on, come on, own it, own it, own it. I'm my own contradiction. I say I'm losing weight, but I don't went to McDonald's again. I am my own contradiction. I don't pray like I should. I don't fast and read my word like I should, but yet I know I have an anointing. I know he want to use me. I know he want to do great things for me, but I have been my own contradiction been my own contradiction and the wind that's coming is coming hard and he's not there in other words he's marked absent from our contradictions you want to obey me fight your contradictions you got in that boat Fight your contradictions. I need you to help me preach the three folks around you. Touch them and say, fight your contradictions. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Fight them contradictions. Beat your flesh into subjection. Crucify the deeds of your flesh daily. You got to, come on, you got to beat it, y'all. You got to beat your flesh and say, no, no, no. You're not going to have your way today. You're not going to get the best of me this week. I'm not even going there with them. I ain't going in with my family. I ain't going in with my children. Come on here. I'm not going in in my marriage. I'm not going there. My flesh has got the best of me for the last time I'm tired of being my own contradiction I'm not doing this anymore you will not you will not you will not take over my destiny in God. You will not take over my future in God. You will not contradict my assignment in the Lord. I told God yes and I mean yes and I'm going all the way. All the way sir. Winds were contrary. But then verse 25. Get out of here Dr. Shaw. It says and it was in the fourth watch of the night. The fourth watch of the night, Rakim, is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Oh God, let me help you. There are a total of eight watches. 
There are eight watches, and they knew the reason why we got the name watch, the instrument that we hold on our, on our wrist, is because in the biblical times, they would have soldiers that would stand on the wall to watch for the enemy if the enemy would come. And they would, they would determine how long it was by the sunrise going up and going down. And so they would count the time. And when the sun went down, they would count the time of the moon. And they didn't know hours. All they had was a sundial that was, you know, by the shadow, they could tell what time it was. So they measured everything by every three hours. So for three hours, a man would stand here. And for three hours, another group would stand. And for three hours, another group would stand. And the group that stood would watch out for the enemy. And that's where we get the term watch from. Because it's actually watching for the enemy coming. And so by the fourth watch, or by the fourth time that soldiers were standing on the wall to watch, which is approximately 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Now, I need you to understand the fourth watch in the spirit. And i got to get out your hair. But to understand the fourth watch in the spirit... That is a certain prayer time. And I'm talking to those of you who usually get up in prayer between 3 and 6. This is what the Lord is saying. Because the fourth watch, Alric, is the time where all the enemies, demons, devils, and imps has ceased their operation. They have finished it by the third watch. And by the fourth watch, the demons have all relocated back to hell. And they went back to the dark place. And so the fourth watch is the time that you prepare for the morning. God, it's the time that the demons have gone and you can now prepare for the day. And it is in the fourth, yes, Lord, it is in the fourth watch of the night when Jesus was preparing for the disciples' day that the Bible says he appeared to them in the fourth watch, walking on the water, which means. Jesus didn't show up till after the demons left. Remember, demons do their activity from 12 midnight to 3 a.m. That's when they do their greatest activity. But they left at now, the spirit world. In the spirit world, they repositioned themselves to darkness. And between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. is now the spiritual time where you command your morning and you command your day. That's why you need to get up. David said, early will I seek him. It's between this hour, 3 and 6 a.m., that you begin to seek the Lord and let him speak to you to the kind of day you're going to have before you read the horoscope. you got to let Jesus talk to you to tell you what kind of day you're going to have today. 3 and the 6 a.m., and he appeared when the demons left. Now, Jesus, why would you wait till the demons left to show up? You got the power. Because the reality was, the power wasn't something that he needed to demonstrate. The power was something that they need to demonstrate. And I've discovered something, that he does not show up when he's given you the power. Oh, they missed it, but I'm going to tell it to him again, God. He only shows up when your power is limited. He only shows up. Then we used to sing a song years ago, man's extremities are God's opportunities. He only show up when you no longer have the power. So as long as you got power, which means the contrariness that you're in and the demons that you're fighting, them are your demons and you got to deal with them. And when you do, then I'll show up. For some of you, 
You won't have a theophany or manifested presence of God until you deal with your contrariness. Then he shows up. Then he, sho then he shows up. You gonna show up now? Then he shows up. But watch this. He shows up in the fourth watch. And because the disciples understood this, and there was a lot of witchcraft and, 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 and demonic things and satanic things going on, especially even in that time, there was other things that was happening that when Jesus showed up, and he showed up walking on the water, because the disciples understood the time that they were living in, they were used to water gods. They were used to seeing water demons, like, like, like the spirit Leviathan, who, who manifests on water. There was demons that manifested themselves, evil spirits that manifested themselves on water. So when Jesus appeared on the water on the fourth watch, they knew that the hours where demons manifested had just passed. So they supposed that what I'm seeing is another demon. It's, another, it's like Leviathan. It's another water god. So they were afraid and they were scared because they saw a spirit on the water water but they never suspected it was Jesus because he's not even on the boat my God but I'm here to tell somebody what if he don't come the way you expect him to what if he comes a different way than the last time he came to you what if he manifests on the water instead of on the boat last time last time I was on the boat you left me on the land but this time I'm coming on the water but they missed him and thought he was a spirit, an evil one, because they didn't know he was coming another way. God, I'm, touch somebody and say, this time it's going to be different. Okay, should have been here Friday night. This time it's going to be different. The way God used you last year ain't going to be the way he's going to use you this year. This time it's going to be different. The way he manifested last time is not the way he's going to manifest this time. Somebody shout, this time it's going to be different. He showed up. He showed up. He's coming. Watch this. He was late, but I serve a God that always shows up. He don't come when I want him, but he's always on time. He don't come when I feel like I need him. Oh, but tell somebody, he always shows up. He always shows up. He always shows up. He sometimes comes differently than he came the last time, but he's always faithful and true to his word. He shows up. He comes to him, and he's approaching them, and all of a sudden, they began to cry out for fear. They're scared. They cried out for fear. I got to get out of here. Pastor Moore, they cried out for fear. Which means prior to this, their fear was silent. Now their fear is talking. Because this contrariness has gone to another level. My fear has gone to another level. And there's some people who's silently afraid. And sometimes he has to turn up the fire so that you could cry out. Pride won't let you cry out. 
because you want to act like you got it all together and you want to act like your bills are all paid and you want to act like you know you just pray all the time and you came out to mama's womb speaking in tongues but the truth of the matter is some of us are silent and we're afraid and we're freaking out and we don't know what to do and he turns up the fire until we open up our mouth and say God I'm scared God I'm fearful God I don't know what to do God I don't know where to go because when they cried when they cried out when they cried out when they cried out the Bible says he responded to them and said be of good cheer it is I do not be afraid in other words he tossed back to who cries out God I wish I could preach in this room he tossed back to those that cry out you can go ahead and be sniffering in your secret heart and by yourself but he's only answering the people who open their mouth and cry out three four said you better cry you better cry if I was you I'll be crying I'll be hollering I'll be screaming don't you sit there and suffer in silence you better cry out he responded to those who cried he's trying to act like you superheroes you spiritual superman you Holy Ghost Superwoman. I could take it. I could take it. I could take it. And you whimpering within yourself. And you whimpering within your heart. You better open up your mouth. You better cry out to God. Come on here. The Bible said he is a very pleasant help in the time of trouble. You better open up your mouth. Don't let pride keep you silent. Come on, tell your neighbor. Don't let pride keep you quiet. Open up your mouth and cry to the Lord. His response was, be of good cheer. It's me. Don't be afraid. He said, it's me. This is well, amazing. The scripture doesn't suggest or say that the cry stopped. Neither does it say the cry continued. But something happened, Jarena. The cry changed. But the cry only changed by one person in the ship. Peter, he went from crying to requesting. He went from crying to challenging. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Now here's, here's what's amazing. Because if they thought this was an evil spirit, if they thought this was Leviathan, if they thought this was a water god, then the reality was, Peter said, I'm not responding to a stranger's voice. Which means if that's you, you tell me to come because I'm only responding to your voice. See, we got to get to a place in our life where our plans for our future and the plans for what we want to do in life, we got to say, God, if this is you, bless it. But if it's not you, bust it up. See, y'all ain't mature yet. You got to get to the place. I don't care how bad I want it. I don't care how much I think I need it. But God, if this ain't you, I want you to bust this thing up so much. I want you to shipwreck it. I want you to send construction right here, right now. If this not your will, God, tear this thing up. But if this you, I need you to respond. I need you to breathe on it. I need you to speak a word. How many of you right now are facing contrary winds and you just need a confirmation? There's nothing like a confirmation in the middle of a contradiction. God, I just, God, everything is blowing in every direction in my life right now. And I feel like I'm in confusion, but I know you're not the author of confusion. But I need you right now. Confirm yourself. 
need you to confirm yourself. I just need you to speak. Just speak. Just speak. I see you walking. I see you on the water. But if that's you, because I'm still not sure. I'm still not certain. Watch this. And this is the same guy that says, thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. Because there's nothing like contradictions that will make you forget your revelations. One moment you got a revelation. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. The next moment, is that you? <laughs> what happened? What happened to your faith? What happened to the God that revealed to you who I am? Now you're asking if that be you? Because it's nothing like a strong contradiction that will make you forget about your revelation. Some of you already know better, but that contradiction is talking so loud. You don't do what you know. Oh, that contradiction is so hard that you don't operate in what you already know. If that's you, bid me come. Jesus does one thing, says one statement, come. It was one word, key. One word. Come. In that word, in that word was all Peter needed to hear because he didn't have to say a whole sentence. When he said, come, something about the tonation of his voice that hit him in the spirit, I confirm that's you. Something about the volume of the voice. It said, yep, that's him, that's him, that's him. He don't even have to do a lot for me. Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, I know too much of God that I don't need him to do a whole lot for me. All I need him to do is one thing and that one thing is enough for me it's all I need that would drive me crazy watch this uh, that would drive me out my boat yes. Lord if that be you tell me to come Jesus says come the word that God is speaking to y'all today is come he speaks one word Come. You in the ship? You want to do what I'm doing? Come. Peter is a fisherman. He didn't ask for a boat. He asked for a word. You know what we mess up? We mess up by asking God for resources. He said, ask me for a word. Stop asking me for money. Ask me for a word. Stop asking me for a new job. Ask me for a word. If you give me a word, God, yes. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things shall be added. Is there anybody in this room that's convinced? If I get one word from God, that's all I need. That's all I need. Let me go. Let me go. I'm over time. I'm over time. He said, come. Come. Here's the dynamic. Please understand this. The 12 boys were not just in this little boat, this little row, row, row your boat, drift it down the stream. No, no. The Bible is clear. They were in a ship. Not a boat. A ship. There's a difference. They were in the ship. Y'all been on a cruise? They were in a ship. Like a, like a hotel on water. They was in a ship. In order for Peter to get out of it, 
he had to climb up over the banisters. He had to go overboard. And because the ship is so tall, on the, it's not a rowboat, which means as soon as you jump out, you're in the water. No, no. He had to then climb down off the tall ship to finally get in the water. When he finally climbed down off the tall ship and got to the water, what was designed to sink him held him. What he was supposed to drown in, he's now walking on, which means Peter went up by going down. Okay, y'all missed it. He went to the next level in demonstration by going down, y'all, in obedience. When he gets down and steps on the water, he's walking on the water. The problem with some of us is we still stuck in the ship with everybody else who's still crying instead of getting out by obeying the word. Look at your neighbor for me, please, and say, hey, neighbor, you can stay in this boat if you want to but I'm getting up out of here because I got a word from the Lord you could stay in poverty if you want to but I'm getting out of poverty because I got a word from the Lord stop hanging out with the crying disciples in the ship and get out the boat and cry to the Lord I'm coming I'm coming I'm coming there's some people who's still stuck in the boat they still stuck there because they won't obey a word. They won't obey the word. Come. They're still scared. Watch this. The scripture never said that the storm stopped. He got out the boat and walked on troubled water. I got you. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. He walked on troubled water, which means I can still progress in a mess. Oh, God. I can still move forward when it's a contradiction. It never said that the wind stopped. It never said that the storm stopped. Some of y'all think you can only move forward in God when this in your life stops. God says, what if it don't stop? Are you still going to stay there? Are you still going to stay in the boat? What if your money don't get better? You mean to tell me you ain't going to give me a yes and step out your boat? You're only stuck in the boat because you want the storm to stop. But he wants you to step out while the storm's still going. He didn't walk on peaceful water. He walked on troubled water. He walking. You see him? He walking. His sandals and feet are wet, but he's on the water. He's on the water. He's walking to Jesus. Jesus stands there and waits for him. Now, what was amazing is when Jesus was on the shore, he went to the people and let them touch him. But on the water, he said, you come to me. 
I'm trying to tell you, you could be a sure saint or a sea disciple. You could be somebody who he got to come to because you're so immature. Or you could be somebody where he could stand still and you'll go to him. Oh, God. When you grow up in God, you don't wait for God to come speak to you. You go to God and say, I'm going to come and speak to you. Some of you are so immature because you won't worship until Pastor Sabrina get up. You won't praise God until Dr. Shaw is preaching. You won't worship until the praise team sing a certain song. Because you need him to come to you. But when you grow up in God, if you don't come to me, I'm going to you, buddy. Watch this. And I'm going on trouble water. Look at your neighbor and say, you better come up in the spirit. You better come up in the Holy Ghost. He ain't going to always come to you. There are going to be times that you're going to have to go to him. He ain't going to always call you to prayer. You're going to have to make up in your mind, I'm going down in prayer by myself. He don't have to compel me. Dr. Short don't have to put us on a consecration for me to consecrate. I'm going to God on this troubled water. Before he went to them, now he got to come to him. You grow up. The disciples, scared, afraid, troubled because of the storm. I got to go. But they are watching Peter do something that all of them had potential to do. You could choose to be a boat watcher or a water walker. 2019, you could choose to watch from the boat or walk on the water. The choice is yours. All of them, he's, watch this. He didn't say, come, Peter. He said, come. When he got Lazarus out of the grave, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Because he needed a specific person to come up. He just said, come. Which means anybody could have took the, y'all. When I start prophesying, if I'm speaking to Pastor Moore, but you need that word, you be, that's my word. That's my, I ain't going to even wait. You ain't got to point to me. You ain't got to lay hands on me. I snatched that word in the Holy Ghost. Because his word works for anybody who would take it. It works for anybody who will receive it. Somebody shout, that's my word. That's my word. You ain't got to talk to me. You ain't got to prophesy to me. You ain't got to look my way. I heard what God said, and if he doing that kind of stuff, I take it. I take it. at the person who took advantage of the opportunity that you had yourself but you did nothing with it you were there you heard the same word but you ain't getting nothing with it cause you didn't respond to it You could have walked on water. The same water that held up Peter could have held you up too. You decided to stay in the boat. Look at your neighbor and say, stay here if you want to. I'm out of here. Stay here if you want to. I'm walking on water. Stay if you want to. I'm writing my book. I'm starting my business. I'm going back to school. Come on here. Stay here if you want to. But I'm shifting out of this. In 2019... 
there are some people you have to be willing to leave in the boat. Cheyenne, sometimes we get so stuck because we want to save everybody who's in the boat. But I can't do that. I'm not your savior. Your savior's out there on the water. If you listen to the savior on the water, come on here. I'm just Peter. I'm trying to get a word too. I can't be your savior. 2019, you need to go to some of your family, your friends, and people who are dependent upon you. You need to go to them and say, I fire myself from being your savior. I am no longer your God. I'm no longer your savior. I'm no longer your personal prophet. You better seek God for yourself while he may be found. I'm tired. I done mess around. I could mess around and miss my blessing. Trying to convince you to get out the boat with me. I don't miss the move of God. I don't miss the wave of the Holy Ghost. Because I'm sitting here trying to tell you, come on, come on. There he go. He right there. That's him. Come on, right here. Come on. No, let's pray together. Let's pray about it. And we sit here praying about what he's moving on from. And now I don't miss my open window of opportunity because I'm babysitting the York. Immaturity. Screaming somebody said, grow up! You got to grow up this year. I'm growing up, you growing up. I'm not babysitting you no more. I'm not taking care of you anymore. I'm not pacifying you and changing your peppers anymore. You're going to have to grow up in God. I'm not your savior. I'm not your redeemer. And today I'm getting delivered from the savior's complex. I'm getting delivered from the savior's complex. I'm stopped trying to convince people to leave with the boat with me. I got to leave by myself. Peter got out of that boat, got out of that ship, climbed himself down, started walking on that water. While he walking, he looking. His eyes are fixed on Jesus. Hebrews 12 and 5, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. I look to him. I'm walking, but I won't lose focus. I'm walking, but I won't miss the goal. Because he said, come. Which means he invited me to where he was. He gave me an invitation. So I'm going to go to him. Peter decides that he is amazed by what he's doing. And not where he's going. And the reason why we start sinking is because we become intoxicated with what we're doing. Rather than where we're going. When you lose your focus on your own demonstration. And you get drunk on your own process of success. Look at we. I got a degree. Look at me. I done got married. Look at me. I'm wearing this. Look at me. You, you, you paying attention to what you're doing. And you're missing where you're going. It's when he started paying attention to what he was doing. That he was walking on water. The Bible says, and he began to sink. Please look at that scripture and beginning to sink. And beginning to sink. Do not say Peter sank. He began, which means all of us in our process, if we don't stay focused, will begin 
to sink. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I know you're waiting for me to drown, but I'm not going to drown. No, 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 no. I almost, oh God. And David said, my foot almost slipped when I didn't see the good. I'm trying to help somebody that's planning out your funeral and planning for you to fail. Tell your haters, I'm sorry to let you down, but I'm not going to drown. <laughs> Hashtag that, y'all. I'm sorry to let you down, but I'm not going to drown. He's beginning to sink because he took his eyes off the Lord. But when he began to sink, he reverted back to what he did to make Jesus respond in the first place. He cried. Which means while we're in our process of success, don't forget to cry. <laughs> Some people get so successful that they forget to cry. You get so much money and so much house that you forget to cry. High five your neighbor and say, whatever you do, don't forget to cry, baby. Shake their head like you're going to shake it off. And say, whatever you do, don't forget to cry. Because if you cry, he'll respond. If you cry, he'll rescue you. cry and said Lord save me Lord save me please do it you'll do a better job than me Lord say I dare some of y'all throw your hands up and say Lord save me I'm drowning I feel like I'm drowning I know I ain't drowned yet but I feel myself see see you know what happens Ron I'm over time but I gotta keep talking you know what happens, Ron? Some of us only cry after we drown. Peter cried when he began to sink. In other words, in the first stages, don't get too far down before you start crying. Some of y'all crying when it's so far gone, you in so deep and stay too long. And when he began to see, he lower than he's ever been before. He said, like, ah, Lord, save me. Throw your hands up and say, Lord, save me, save me, save me. In other words, I'm not going to wait till it's too far gone. I'm not going to wait till it's too much to do. Lord, right here in the beginning of this mess, save me. I'm going down. I'm going down. I'm going down. I need you to save me. Save me. Go to verse 31. Watch this. Why? He said, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. The Bible says that when he saw him sinking, he reached down. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand. Look how fast Jesus responded. I got a word for 17 screamers and praisers. God about to do a quick work. He about to do a quick work. When you cry, I see an immediately in your future. I see an immediately in your future. When you cry, he going to respond immediately. This time, gonna be different. He said, I heard you praying. I heard you fasting. But this time, I heard you crying. And I'm gonna respond immediately. Somebody hop up and say, immediately, immediately, immediately. Jesus! Now, shut up, I love this Bible. 
his hand. Which means, Sister Tanya, what he's going to do this time is Jesus going to overextend himself. He stretched forth his hand and caught him. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. Peter. Peter, get on the water. Get off the boat. Peter. Walk to me, Peter. Walk to me, Peter. Stop, Peter. Peter began to sink. <laughs> stop, stop. See now, right there, if Jesus stretched, he couldn't reach him. Come to me, Peter. Which means when Peter started sinking, he was close enough. Which means the sinking is an indicator of how close. I'm only under this kind of pressure because I'm so close. I'm only dealing with this the way I'm dealing with it because God I'm so close I don't know who I'm preaching to I don't know who I'm talking to but I come to tell you you're so close you're so close you're so close don't give up now don't throw in the towel now close he's close the pressure's harder the feeling of sinking is becoming more real cause I'm so close come to me Peter and when he began to sink, he sank. But because he was close enough, he could reach out and pull him up. Which means I may be sinking, but I'm close enough to him. That's why the scripture says, now unto him who's able to keep us from falling. I need about 17 people to scream in here. Because he caught you. I was sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore. Deeply stained within. Seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea. My despairing cry. And from the waters he lifted me. People say he caught me, 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 he caught me. Y'all ain't saying, get out your seat. Tell somebody he caught me, he caught me. And I don't know about you, I'm glad I got caught. I said, I'm glad I got caught. I was singing about to die, but he caught me. Say yes, say yes, say yes. 
I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would love for you to do two things. One, subscribe to our show so you can receive notification of our most recent messages. Also, if this message has impacted you, you can click the link in the description and you can give now. We'll connect with you next time on Crowd Ministries Podcast.